You're listening to the Birth Matters Podcast, episode 37. My mental state was I was going to be a birthing warrior, and I believed that I could get through anything. I believed my body knew what it was doing, and I could get through anything. So that was my mindset. When I would start to falter, I would be like, I am a birthing warrior. I'm going to do this. I'm getting this baby out. He is coming out. Like, and I kept thinking to myself, like, I want to see my baby. I want to see my baby. And every team that would cook, because we had seen it, so many teams pass through at that point. Like, and they would say, oh, Sarah, you're going to have, I'm going to come back the next tomorrow. time you see me, you're going to have your you're baby's going to be out. Baby. And the first time, that's encouraging. And the third time, I'm going to kill no. someone. <laughs> Hey there, and welcome to the Birth Matters Show. I'm your host, Lisa Graves-Taylor, founder of Birth Matters NYC, childbirth education and labor support. This show is here to lessen your overwhelm on the journey into parenthood by equipping and encouraging you with current best evidence info and soulful interviews with parents and birth pros. Please keep in mind the information on this show is not intended as medical advice or to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Have you subscribed to the show yet? Please be sure to do that wherever you're listening to this or over at birthmattersshow.com so you don't miss out on anything. Hi, everyone. If you're listening around the time that this goes live, I hope you're hanging in there and staying safe and healthy at home in these uncertain times. I want to make sure you're aware that through this pandemic, Birth Matters has a page on our website with constantly updated COVID-19 resources for expectant parents. Read more details, tips, and stress management strategies over at our website at birthmattersnyc.com slash COVID-19. And know that we're constantly updating it anytime there are new resources that we think might be helpful for you. Also, Birth Matters has partnered with The Root Therapy NYC to provide an ongoing weekly support group for expectant parents. The Root Therapy is also offering a new parent support group as well as other group options. For more information, email contact at therootherapynyc.com. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, Birth Matters is offering a huge discount on our online on-demand course because it's more important than ever to get equipped for the best birth possible. Our heart goes out to the families whose hospitals have canceled birth classes across the country or who are experiencing severe financial hits right now, and we don't want cost to be a barrier. You can find the promo code and sign up over at birthmattersnyc.com. Also, our regularly scheduled live group classes that are normally in person are temporarily being held on Zoom, and we're also doing virtual private sessions. So please know that you can prep for birth and parenthood in whatever format works best for you and wherever you are. Again, you can register for any of these class formats over at birthmattersnyc.com. This episode begins a two-parter, and you're in for an epic birth warrior story that goes in all kinds of unexpected directions, told by Sarah and Chris. Quite honestly, this story feels like several birth stories wrapped into one. Sarah and Chris share their story of a very long, planned home birth that eventually transfers to the hospital and after days of labor literally days. Ultimately, Sarah gives birth via C-section after her waters have been ruptured for 90 plus hours. 
Get ready for a taste of how unknowable and unpredictable birth can be, and listen to the amazingly positive attitude this couple has through it and on the other side of it. These episodes provide poignant lessons in a number of things, including how important mindset and flexibility are, choosing a great birth team that hears you and gives you choices, and the perspective of keeping in mind it's your baby's birth, not yours. Even if birth doesn't go as planned, which it hardly ever does, but this one goes off plan in almost every possible way, Sarah and Chris share strategies for averting feelings of trauma and for instead still feeling good about the birth. Okay, let's get started. My name is Sarah Itner. And I'm Chris Treble. And we are, um, we have a 20 month old. So we are in a little over a year and a half at this point. Yeah. The toddler stage. Look out. <laughs> yeah. Emerson is um, our son, Emerson. He is direct, I would say, in his needs <laughs> and what he wants. Um, I try not to use the word stubborn because <laughs> I feel like all kids at some point in their development have that tendency to be stubborn. And so I don't want it to be like, oh, kind of like a negative thing. I think that he's very just always and has been always since he was born very direct in his needs. But now that he is getting to the point of um, communicating those needs a little more effectively, um, he's just very assertive. Yeah. Yeah. I think assertive. <laughs> yeah. That's, these are all very democratically put words that yeah, were yeah. Yeah. well chosen words. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. He's definitely very assertive and very clear and direct on what he wants. He doesn't quite, I mean, it's like one or two words roughly, but he's so clear in every other way of communicating. I think words, he's like, that's just taking the long route. Let's just grab you by the hand and pull you over to what exactly I want. This is why, why am I bothering to speak when I can literally just point you in the right direction? <laughs> do my bidding for the next 15 to five hours. Um, so yeah, it's, he's definitely very communicative. Uh, that's for, that's for I was sure. going to say all of our, our babysitters that we've hired have said, you know, he doesn't talk very much, but he's like, su- he communicates yeah. really well. Yeah. <laughs> I tell everybody he's now at the age that he can run around and break all of my stuff but he can't tell me why he's breaking all of my stuff, which is really frustrating. But he walks up to me with just some broken thing. And I'm like, why, why, buddy, why? It just happened. I had a reason for this. All right, I'm off. I'll see you later. As you're sharing this, I, I, I don't know why this came to mind necessarily, but um, do you, would you like to share what you guys both do for a living? I think that's sometimes interesting for listeners to know, just because um, some of that can play into obviously just, um, I don't know, different aspects of our parenting journeys and our, our birth stories. Yeah. So we're both actors by trade. Um, <laughs> and so that's really... <laughs> when you said the very assertive and well, especially the communicative, yeah, that, yeah. that was what actually brought it to mind. I was like, yeah. I knew that Sarah was an actor, and I was thinking that you are yeah. as well, Chris. Yeah. We, um, <laughs> we just actually had this conversation the other day where we were talking about him and his ability to communicate and kind of because you always, when you're a parent, like 
as much as you don't want to, you end up comparing to other kids and like where they are at in, in their journey and that type of thing. And I, I turned to Sarah the other day and I was like, I mean, everybody says he's slightly behind because he doesn't have as many words, but he's got like three or four bits that are like killer bits. Like they're <laughs> really funny. He's got them down pat. He's really tight on his timing. <laughs> like, of course, that's the first thing I would think of is like, yeah, but he's got this really good closer. It's fantastic. It's, <laughs> it's great. He also can hum songs. Yeah. <laughs> Very odd. So oh. that we know what he's asking for. He has like a few songs that he like really loves. And oh. he'll just hum the beginnings to tell us what he's asking for. Yeah. I love that so much. Coming but, from a musical background, that, yeah, that yeah, I just want to come babysit for you right now. Can I do yeah. that? <laughs> but, yeah. So it's just one of those things where we're like, he can't, he doesn't use a lot of words, but like, I mean, I don't know another 20 month old that hums a song. Like, that is so cool. So, so we're like, I guess my musical, my musical theater background that I never really use around him. <laughs> <laughs> Is like in, it's innate. Yeah. yeah. And Chris's <laughs> comedy side is in him so that we're like, oh, I guess he is like a perfect yeah. marriage of the two of us. I think it's uh, through the breast milk. I think they found that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, do you want to go into his origin story? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well played. Sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, so. You, you started off. Started off. Yeah. So Emerson was my, so I guess I'll just start from the beginning of, um, on October 31st, I was sitting in our house, just hanging out, actually watching my stomach. I have a video of him like moving like a ton. He was just like moving a lot. And I felt so good that night. I was like, there's no way. He's coming. Now he was due on the he was due on October 29th. Yes. Yeah, that sounds he was due on to October 29th. And I was at that point expecting to have like, you know, a first time mom. My mom was over um two weeks. Two weeks for my um no, no no three weeks for my brother, two weeks for my sister. I was the only one that came, I think, a week late. So like you know, I was expecting that I was going to go over because it's in the family, right? That's my, you know, where my head was at. And I felt amazing. Like I felt so great. I was still carrying like all of my groceries up four flights of stairs. So I thought I was good, right? Taking videos of my stomach. And Chris that night had been working and had come home late and I was, I had been bartending and then, because I'm an actor, so I don't actually work as an actor. So I was bartending and I got home. Um, <laughs> Called the survival job, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, And so I had gotten home and she was about to go to bed. And I was basically, for the last couple of days, we had just been like, hey, baby? No? Okay. And then, so she was about to go to bed and I was like, you know, I'm going to grab something to eat. And I'm just going to like decompress for a maybe 30 minutes I'll be I'll be in a little bit and we were like well it's looking like no Halloween baby for us yeah and so she goes to bed October 31st this is October 31st and then we're like crossing over into into midnight into November 1st and she goes she goes into the bedroom and I sit down and I'm about to eat like turn on a movie or something and um at 12 35 she goes 
I think my water just broke. So I, I was in bed. I like, as any, you know, pregnant woman who's a few days over, you're like just trying to get comfortable and it takes a while. It's not like you just like, you know, climb into bed and like, you're good. You have to like, I had like a routine of like pillows that were like, okay, this pillow goes here. This pillow goes here. Okay. Am I feeling good? Great. Did I pee? I did pee. So I'm good. And all of a sudden I felt this like pop and I don't know how I did it, but like jumped out of bed faster than I've ever jumped out of bed before hugely pregnant and ran to the bathroom just as my water like broke. So somehow I don't know how. So in my head, I'm like, did I just wet the bed or did water break? Because I held it to the bathroom, which Uh, is the bedroom. But like, and then obviously gosh of water just kept coming and coming. And I was like, oh, so that's when I like called in Chris and was like, I think my water broke. So at that point we called our midwives and we were a home birth at that point. That was what our plan was. At that and, point, and, sure. Sure. At and point, we and can you, can you back up just a little bit and just, ex- no, 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 it's okay. Um, I just want, was curious. And I think people, I think it's an interesting, a lot of people are curious about how, what the journey was like in choosing home birth and why you chose that route? So I had always wanted a home birth since I was, I don't even know, 12. And I used to watch TLC's A Baby Story. Uh-huh. Um, and they would do these water births and they were always at home. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever to have your baby at home. And so that was when I was 12. And through the years, I had always just said like, oh, having a home birth would be great. But like, I don't even know how that works. I was also, I'm also not really good in hospitals. Um, I had had sinus surgery and a foot surgery. And I just don't do well under anesthesia with medication. Like it's always like an, an issue. And I just don't like being there. I like being in my bed. And I thought it for something like labor where sometimes it can be so mental I needed to be where I was comfortable. And so I'm more comfortable in my own bed with my own pillows, specifically in my own bed with my own pillows. And I'm like, I have to labor somewhere. I want to be in my space, you know, with my essential oils, with my, like everything that I, you know, I want. So that was kind of our, that was my start to our, our, journey. Now, Chris was on the opposite end yeah. of that. That's what I was going to ask. That was yeah. my next question. So I was definitely, so um, you have to understand that my mother is a, is a registered nurse practitioner who works in prenatal care. So for my entire life. She my, was also a delivery. She was also, when she first started her nursing career, she was in labor and delivery. Yeah. Wow. So she basically started like when the baby is born and then worked her way back. And for pretty much my entire life, she had been working with pregnant people. And so I had been very exposed to that world from a very, very early age. Maybe too soon, but that's more for my therapist. <laughs> so, so when she was like, when Sarah was like, I went to home birth, my first instinct was, no, 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 no. 
you have a you have a baby in a hospital like everybody else. That's insane because this is because that was the environment and that was the culture that I was very much brought up in. Um, and also, I think I had an impression of what a home birth was that I think a lot of people assume what a home birth is and without kind of researching it, everybody I think makes a slight assumption on what a home birth is where you're just surrounded by hippies in a field around a bonfire, um, which is not at all what it is. Plus our our insurance doesn't cover the hippies, but (laughs) but, uh, but once we, once we met, she, and she said, listen, if you're really, really against this, we'll continue to discuss it, but can we at least meet with, well, before that, before that, sorry, before that, I watched the business of being born. So when we talk about, I was talking about a home birth, I'm talking before Chris and I were even engaged. Like I let him know pretty early on. Wow. This is a prerequisite to marrying. (laughs) Kind of. of. I was like, hey, do you want kids? Oh, you do? Great. This is like our second date. And I was like, hey, I want a home birth. You should get comfortable with this. This is going to continue. There's that directness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, if this isn't going to work out, if you're not comfortable with the home birth or even like just thinking about it, um, you don't want kids, then we should just end this second date. But like, obviously we got married and engaged and married and then we were pregnant. And when we got pregnant, immediately I had started, um, or before that, sorry, so while we were still engaged, I watched The Business of Being Born by Ricky Lake. And I, it just like woke up everything in me that wanted a home birth. And I was like, wow, this is possible. Like, this is really possible. And then we got a friend of ours involved in watching this documentary. And that friend actually had a home birth and hired the same midwives and passed those midwives along to me. And so we use... Is that Nora? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, which we're supposed to have have us another conversation as well. <laughs> That's so funny. I hope she actually yeah. tells you the story of the fact of the her and Michael were out on a date when they called us up and they were like, "Hey, we're by your apartment." And I was like, "Oh, I'm watching this documentary called The Business of Being Born." And they came over and we talked about it, and then they ended up like seeing it, doing a home birth, and then they gave us our midwives. So anyway, when we found. Uh-huh. And I was with an OB, OBGYN, and she was awesome. We had had a miscarriage about two months before we got pregnant with Emerson. And so because of that happening, I had to see an OB and I'm O negative. So I had to have Rogam and I didn't know about that before. And so she really like helped us into that. But the thing about her was, you know, I'd always wanted to do this home birth, but we were still kind of on the fence fence about it because if Chris wasn't comfortable with it, then, you know, it wasn't going to happen. Like we both were, we're both part of the birth story, even though I'm the one that, you know, is housing, um, (laughs) baby. (laughs) (laughs) Like in my head, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm the, you know, I, I'm the one walking around with the incubator, but we both have to be involved. Like I need him to be on board. I can't have him worried we both had to be on the same page. So we're walking this fence and we're at this OB and she was great, but she never answered my questions fully. Um, and she would always push me as some of my, my things aside. Like when I first got pregnant, you know, we had just had a miscarriage. We got pregnant like the month after, not uh, like two months after we had a miscarriage. So 
I had a lot of questions, you know, and, um, in the beginning or, um, I had some spotting going on. And so, um, and there was like this tiny blood clot, I forget what they call it. That was like right next to, uh, where Emerson was sitting. And so she was like, ah, oh, just so you know, that can cause, you know, other problems yeah. that can cause a miscarriage. So we were on very strict, like I couldn't exercise in the beginning because she was like, you know, but anyway, she would never fully answer my questions. And when I was, you know, talking to her about what our plans were for, because they ask you, you know, like, what's your, what's your birth plan or what are you thinking? And I was like, Oh, I just want to let you know, like we're, we're thinking about doing a home birth. And she immediately like stopped us and was like trying to talk us out of it. You know, home births are not for first time mothers. And because of that, I had such a, like, she was so great in the beginning of us getting pregnant and helping us through that. And the care I received from her was great. But like, like I said, she never really answered, fully answered my question or she would push off my questions be like, Oh, don't worry about that yet. Don't worry about that yet. And I'm like, I'm a first time mom. Like I'm worried about everything uh, <laughs> or trying not to be, but you know, um, and so that's yeah, getting those, an- those questions answered would help you not worry, hopefully. Right. right? I would right. think that was the aim. <laughs> yeah. Plus I was just like, okay, so that's weird. So, um, I ended up setting up an appointment with midwifery care and my seat, right? Yes. That's like, I'm like, wait, what was it? It's been a lot. And immediately got on the phone with one of the midwives. So the two midwives are Carol and Cher. And Carol talked to me and she was like, great, we'll set up a meeting. We ended up meeting with them. I was like seven weeks pregnant. Yeah, it was pretty early. Like super, super early. I knew early on, like, let's get this ball rolling. Let's figure out what we're going to do, have a plan. And so I set up that meeting and I had contacted a couple of other midwives. They just hadn't gotten back to me yet. And so they set up a meeting with us. We ended up meeting with them, I think like three, four days later or something like that. Um, And we met them at like a, what was it? Le Pan Cotidien. Yeah, Le Pan. And like, had great conversation. I had all of these questions. They answered everything, stayed with us until we were comfortable, you know, with the answers. Did I have anything else? If I needed anything else, they gave me a text message. Like I could text them and we could text them our answer if we were going to use them or whatever. And I remember we walked downstairs and sat at a table because we were going to eat. We had gotten there late, I think. And so Sounds right for yeah, us. I, I can't remember, got, but it sounds probable. We got there late, we and then, yeah, and then I, like, launched into questions, so I didn't eat, and I was just starting to get morning sickness, and so we ended up sitting downstairs eating, and right there decided that they were the ones. Yeah, yeah I had, yeah, what. so uh, uh, kind of right back to right where that meeting started. Um, at the time, I had been kind of, you know, on the fence and on – whether or not I was comfortable with a home birth because again, because of my background and everything. Um, And after having the meeting with the midwives and having them answer the questions, um, I felt much more comfortable. I felt once I knew that these were obviously people. And again, I went in with this to this with a lot of ignorance, but once I knew that these people were, you know, real professionals and and medical professionals, I, I came to the realization. And this is, I think, the really important part is that I came to the realization that 
I, the reason that I was against a home birth wasn't for any philosophical reason or anything. I was nervous. I was nervous. This is the woman that I love. This is my entire life and my world. And, and I've heard from my mother's work, you know, obviously she comes home most days and, and everything has gone fine. But there are days where she came home and it was a rough one because there was a complication and the baby was lost or the mother was lost or th- something like that because that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was nervous. And what I realized is that I was going to be nervous no matter what. Mm. I was going to be nervous whether we were in, a, in our home and I was going to be nervous even if we were in a hospital. Mm. And so at that point, basically what I was thinking about almost becomes null and void because it's the same across the board. And this is something that's very important to her. And I'm going to feel the same way no matter what the decision is. So really, it makes no sense to enforce something that I want, because I don't actually really want it, a hospital birth, birth, and take away something that she has always wanted, which was a home birth. Mm. But either way, I'm going to be feeling the exact same way. And so that was one of the, that was kind of the big factor for me, the big realization that I had is that, if this is, you know, there's kind of a rule that, that we've been given by uh, our pastor of when it comes to a disagreement in a relationship, it's not just black and white. You have to weigh it out. Is this, whatever who's you're fighting about, who's it more important to? Is it a 10 for her and a five for me? Mm. If it's a 10 for her and I'm disagreeing with her at a five, well, then she wins. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> doesn't matter after that that's great um, this, is a t- this was like a 100 for her yeah. and this was like a four for me so <laughs> she wins and sarah is falling in love with her husband all over again <laughs> i have a feeling yeah. <laughs> hearing him say all this yeah i mean it was a huge win for me in our like <laughs> you know because i was not i think i knew in my heart of hearts that if he really was uncomfortable with it then I was like, okay, let's then look at like a birthing center. Cause I did look into that too. Um, which I still was like kind of not comfortable with. Cause I was like, you have to go through triage. And if they tell you that it's not going to happen or if there's no room at the birthing center, like then I'm stuck, you know, with a hospital birth that I don't want. Um, funny, funny that I say that now. Um, <laughs> That's called foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, so we got our home birth. Um, my pregnancy, I felt great the entire time, but we had everything that could potentially, I guess not potentially go wrong because there's a lot more things that could go wrong. But um, I had more spotting at 24 weeks and ended up in the hospital in the emergency room. We How many ultrasounds? I can't even tell you how many. Um, Emerson was really small. He was on the smaller side, which is really funny because in my head, I was like, woohoo! Like, I'm not, you can't see me, but I'm super tiny. Um, and so to me, like, all of the babies in my family are huge. Um, I was my mom's smallest at 9'2", and my brother was 11 pounds. So to me, when they're like, oh, he's actually measuring at 13, in the 13th percentile, I was like, woohoo! We're so doing yeah. great. This kid will pop right out. Yeah, he's great. Gonna, he's gonna pop out. Wonderful. Um, no room to speak. Yeah, because of that, we had to like then go back. Keep going back. Four weeks later. Back, and and then after back. that, all of a sudden, we had to go back. And so that was the 20 week 
ultrasound, which is the gender ultrasound, and then we continued to have to go back and go back and go back and go back. Um, plus, because I had that blood clot in the beginning, we had to go back at 13 weeks to see if it had gone away, and then it hadn't. So then they're still like, yes, no sex and no exercise and don't carry anything oh. larger than a gallon of milk. And you're like, do you know where we live? Right. <laughs> um, are you a human? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't carry my groceries. No, I can't. Okay. So 20 weeks happen and they're like, he's small. And then we had a really, we had like some really crazy That's a whole different lab tech. <laughs> yeah. We won't get into yeah. that, but like, so then we had ultrasound after ultrasound after ultrasound. He was still small. He was still small. He was still growing, but he was still in the same percentile, same percentile, same percentile. And then we hit like, I don't even know what, what, what were we at? Like 30, 30 weeks, 35 weeks, 36 weeks, 35 when they finally were like, Oh, he's 21. You're good. Never, we'll never see yeah, him again. Yeah, it was pretty late. It was pretty late. Um, like, Oh, so in the lab tech industry, like when they, tell you to wait that the doctor is going to come in they don't always do that that's only if they have to tell you something because once he was which they told us over and over again oh no this is the protocol but then once he was 21 percent, they were like okay bye we're <laughs> <laughs> like oh no okay so sudden awesome yeah um so then we should sorry. eventually get back sorry. to the birth story. Sorry, the birth story. So, um, <laughs> We're at the water breaking. So, so. Your water broke, yeah, and you called your midwives. That's when oh I entered, God. I think. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm so, thank you so much for sharing all of that. It was to know. Good. so long and two actors. This is going to take <laughs> The epic story. It's going to be immense. All right. So is there anything else that we are midnight? Oh, I, um, oh, I did, I did like 27 doula interviews. Um, <laughs> wow. So I also was like very specific about my team because I was like, I need to be, you know, in tune with the person. I need the, the person people that are going to be, gonna be at our house <laughs> for our home birth. I need to be in, you know, feel comfortable with. So we did like, yeah. A lot. I did like 26 interviews. We oh, I, for real. I thought I thought maybe you were just like half joking with the number. No, it was a lot of. Oh no. No, it was a lot of interviews. Lot. Oh, we no. had a list of questions of like I think it was about 20 questions. Wow. We yeah, we were pretty thorough on things. Um, I we, always do encourage people to interview more than one. Maybe not 20, <laughs> 20 yeah. something. But I mean, whatever you need to do to feel comfortable with the person. I was like. Well, and then I kept getting names. So first I used Doula Match and I used some of the other doula websites that I just found online. Mm -hmm. um, and then I got names of people and then, and then I just kept interviewing because I was like, oh, well, what if somebody's better than somebody else? Which is not true. They're all great. But for some reason, and then we did like, did we do second interview? We did. That's one of the so reasons we did, did so many yeah, interviews. Yeah, so we did a second interview with our top three and then... And then Chris picked his top, his top three, like he put his in order and then I put mine in order and then we picked whoever was the similar person. Um, I think we hit pretty quick. Actually. Yeah, we did. I think, I think um, Maris or Doula was yeah, our, our top, like for both of us. Our Doula Maris James, amazing. And she came back several days. So yeah. another foreshadowing for our story. Yeah. Um, so, the, so her water broke at, at 12.35. <laughs> so we call up 
so we call up our midwife and basically she's like, are you sh- first of all, sure this actually happened? And Sarah's like, yeah, this definitely happened. She goes, okay, well, um, you probably have a little while. So what you want to do now is try your best, try your best to get some sleep because one, if you sleep a full eight hours, then you're eight hours later into labor. So yes. you've like slept through part of labor. Okay? And you're, yeah, ignoring it. <laughs> Easiest to ignore it if you're sleeping. Yeah. And you're going to wake up and it's going to be eight hours later of labor. So you're going to have kind of breeze through it, through that. And two, you're going to wake up and you're going to have a lot of, you know, stamina and energy because you're about to have a baby. So you're going to want to have that. So she's like, I'm not going to, yeah, so you're not going to, she's like, I'm not going to come over or anything like that. Oh, yeah. We're going like, to wait until, go, just go to sleep. Um, to and sleep. so I was like, what did, what did the midwife say? And she said, go to sleep. And I was like, all right, well then I'm going to, I basically was, and we were at this point like playing house. Cause we were like, well, I guess we'll try and go to sleep. So I like ate, finished a movie and then went to sleep. Cause I'm a very attentive husband. And so we tried to sleep as best and we could. I was going to say, and yeah. like at that point I was not expecting to have gone into labor. Like, like I said, I felt amazing. So, and I was, you know, pregnant over 40 weeks pregnant and still up at midnight. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. like, um, yeah. yeah so, people were a little more tired at, at that point. In right. That's, yeah. That's what I mean. So, um, I ended up just like trying to go back to sleep, but in your head and your adrenaline's up because you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to see my baby like soon, which is hilarious now looking back. And so I tried to go to sleep. It didn't, I didn't sleep very well at all. And I woke up like three times that night with like huge contractions, but then they would peter and just be like little and I could go back to sleep through them. So then we woke up the next day. We had actually had a midwife appointment scheduled. And so she our midwife came at 9am. Um, she gave me some homeopathic herbs to like take, uh, if I felt the need to take them, she totally gave it, you know, put it, the ball in my court. And I had actually scheduled acupuncture for that day, just thinking that maybe we would need it. To you try had emailed me the day before, on the 30th, you had emailed me asking for acupuncturist recommendations. Yeah. Do you remember who you worked with? I worked with... Um, oh, it's right around the corner from us, too. Um, heart and... What is it? Oak? Oak. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll be sure to include them in the and it was show the, notes. Yeah. yeah. It was, I, I'm forgetting the name, too. Oak Point? Is that it? Yeah. So that's... Yeah, something like that. Um, and it was... I'm, Terrible, but it was the wife who the mm-hmm. there's like husband yep. wife own own it, and so it was the wife in my acupuncture, and it was great. And I got it done at noon, and then we walked home from uh, the acupuncture place. And as we were walking home, I could feel like contractions starting to like get a little stronger, and and they were coming a little bit close, more closer together. But I was like, okay, I don't know if these are, you know still Braxton Hicks or like what, what we're working with at this point, because they weren't that strong. I was like, Whoa. And I remember saying to myself, once we got home and I was sitting on the bed and I was going to try and take a nap. I was like, I mean, if this is, is because obviously my water had broken a while ago. Like if this is, you know, the beginning, like these are a breeze, like maybe I'm not going to have a really hard time. <laughs> um, and uh, my mom always said like, they weren't, 
that bad. My mom's contractions, she was like, yeah, I mean, my, I have period cramps that were, were worse. And I had always had really bad cramping when I had periods. So I was like, maybe I'm just going to be able to breeze through these. Or maybe our mothers have amnesia. Because <laughs> my mom said the same thing. <laughs> You're probably more right on that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, so contractions didn't really kind of like went in and out. And I was also, I will say GBS positive. I'd found out I was GBS positive. So you only have a certain time period before you have to start antibiotics. So our midwife knew she had to come back to start antibiotics if my labor, well, even if my labor had started up, but so she came at like six and did the first round of antibiotics. antibiotics, At that point, my labor still hadn't really kicked in. And how many hours after your water broke is this? Uh, to get clarity. Uh, 12 plus six is what, like about 18 point. Okay. Uh, and I had already take, um, I had decided at 6.30 to take castor oil because we needed stuff to start kicking in. And so I wasn't, I was like, okay, let's, let's go ahead and do that. So which is funny because we used Nora's castor oil <laughs> as well. We it's nice have- to have things to be passed on to you, right? Well, we had to go get it that day because, like I said, I was expecting to get, have another week to prep. So I didn't have anything prepared. The bag for the emergency bag for the hospital, not packed. The cur- shower curtain or um, cover on our bed so that not not on our bed nothing was done we didn't have food prepped in the house because i was like i've got another week no like things that would like you know games or anything to like help pass the time pass the time because i had another week <laughs> yeah all right what i play parcheesi for right. like baby so. yeah <laughs> crossword puzzles anyway um so take castor oil at 8 p.m they started, my contractions started to kick in and they were pretty strong. And so I decided to try and labor in the shower because I was like, well, they just kicked in. So like, I'm just gonna let the hot water like hit my back. I'm gonna take a shower and just kind of relax. And at that point, like, I think, I don't I think it was like 8.30. Um, yeah. I had to get on my hands and knees because they were really, they had like re- came really, really strong. And so I was like on my hands and knees, I had decided I really wanted a water birth, but I decided like I was just going to use the bathtub instead. And so I had a yoga mat on the floor so that my knees didn't hurt. I would not suggest if you want a water birth, I would suggest like getting the pool and doing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But so I was on my hands and knees on my yoga mat, like doing some breathing exercises with water hitting, and that's when Chris was like, okay, we've got a call. Like, this you, is, yeah, yeah, this is, like, my contractions were, like, on top of each other, just on top of each other, coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. And so we called, at that point, we called mm-hmm. the midwife. Yeah. The midwives and our doula, actually. We had contacted her once my water broke, but, like, she knew the whole deal. So she was like, okay, well, let me know when you actually need, you know, when you really need me or when you feel like you need me, I'll come. Even if you're not even that far, I'll be there. And so. Yeah. When, when her contractions kicked in, like really kicked in at around eight 30, it felt like, I mean, this is from my perspective, it seemed like 
boom. It just, there was kind of, it was okay. And then all of a sudden it really kicked in. And um, Did it I, seem to be the castor oil? Maybe. Possibly. It didn't like, I mean, it was, we had taken the castor oil at like six and by, I mean, I guess eight, eight 30. So maybe the castor oil, maybe it worked. Maybe I didn't know. I, I just wasn't sure how, like the proximity, if it seemed like that really was suddenly what did it. Yeah. We're going to guess that it was. But <laughs> <laughs> like we had done like autono stuff. I'd like take homeopathic stuff. I was like bouncing on a ball, like whatever. You're doing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Breathing, trying to get a baby out. And I'm sorry, Chris. I think, I think I interrupted. You were in the middle. No, 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 you're, right, you're right. No. Well, I was just saying at 830 when, when Sarah said her, her contractions really started to kick in from my perspective, it felt like it went from zero to a hundred. Like it, it felt like she was doing fine and we were talking and everything and eight thirty hit and that first contraction really kicked in. And from there, like my wife disappeared and was replaced by, and I don't mean this in a mean way, but like, like just basic and instinctual animal of primal. Yeah. yeah very primal. And just like, uh-huh. and so we labored for a few hours. We labored until about like, a, I want to say like 11, 1130 yeah, on our I own. Mean- and by about 11 or 1130, we had been in the shower. We've been out of the shower. We've been in the shower. We had done all these different things. I, you know, obviously like, taking your course and and talking with our doula, like I'd been shown a couple of different things to help out and everything like that. But by about 11, 1130, in my mind, I remember going, I'm out of tricks. I'm just, I have, I have no idea what to do. I am way out of my league on this and nothing is helping my wife. Mm. We need to call people now. Like this is now when we call our team. And this is, this is it. Yeah. Like, and my contractions were on top of each other. Yeah. They were, I never had like, a really strong one and then I had a couple of minutes mm-hmm. and they were um my contractions were super just very intense intense and just crazy I want to say irregular but I don't really know what regular feels like but just not touch sure. so anyway I would go like two contractions right on top of each other and then I would go like two minutes and then I would have another one and then it would go like I maybe have like a minute and then there'd be another one. And like, it just, there wasn't a pattern. There was not a mm-hmm. pattern. Mm-hmm. Not a time limit. Like we had, we stopped tracking them obviously like by eight o'clock we were stopped. Like during the day I had tracked them and it'd be like, dun, 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 dun. And then they'd be like five minutes apart, five minutes apart, five minutes apart, 30 minutes apart, 45 minutes apart. And then once they hit, it just was it like, it, they hit. Yeah. So then we labored through the night. So after I called, maybe about an hour or so later, both uh, pretty much our team had shown up, the midwife and the doula. And we labored basically through the entire night. So we've now at least passed 24 hours and going into like a day and a half at this point. Because we labored through the night without really any sleep. At some point somebody made me sleep. I don't remember who. I don't remember how long. But it wasn't very but labored through the night into the day. Cher would have checked you that morning. Yeah. Well, they were trying yeah. not to check me as much as possible because of the GBS positive. So they were trying not to like affect mm-hmm. me. And they, right. they were going basically on my contractions, super consistent so, yeah. and super on top of each other. So 
they were like, yeah, Sarah, you've got to be really so close. By all right? signs, everything was going to happen pretty yeah. quick. And as soon as, when it's going to happen, it's going to happen real fast. So that morning, that early morning, it was like 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning. I just remember I would have a contraction and fall asleep and then wake up and have another contraction and fall asleep and wake up and have another contraction. And like, I thought I was sleeping for like longer periods than like a minute. So I would fall asleep for like a minute and then have another contraction. And I just remember waking up and like our midwife was sitting on the floor on her computer and like I would have a contraction and she would help me through because I assume Chris was sleeping at we, that point. We, um, actually, if you're thinking of that, what happened was, I remember this, both of us were lying on our oh, bed yeah. and her contractions at that point were like, like about a minute apart from each other. And so our midwife would be on the floor next to our bed and she and I would fall asleep for about a minute. She'd wake up. We would both wake up together during the contraction and then lie back down and like, go to sleep for yeah. a night. And Going we did that. Like, so it was kind of- had to. We were like one, we were like one at organism. Yeah. Like we were mm. like completely simpatico. I had a lot of back labor. Yeah. So that was, I just needed my hips to be like squeezed. Um, and also because my water had broken, every time I had a contraction, fluid would come out, which they never tell you that part. No. I never have ever heard of that. But like, it always makes me laugh now when I see a movie where somebody's water breaks and then they're wearing pants to like go to the hospital. Yeah. You can't wear pants. It's something I've started mentioning a lot more recently in recent classes. Don't because wear. people are mentioning it so much when they're sharing their birth stories about how surprised they are at the trickling throughout labor. And my, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I was sitting on my birthing ball with a towel on it and like laying on my bed and then they would like go into, you know, and it was whatever. And we were trying every single position to try and like help with like, you know, stamina and help with like the the pressure. And so by four, four o'clock, four o'clock, the next, uh, so yeah, the next four o'clock, November 1st. First. Yep. Um, our midwife checked me and I was one centimeter dilated. Oh my gosh. You've got to be kidding. Yeah. And it's uh, funny. That's exactly yeah. what we said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I was exhausted and I, um, I was just like, I just want to know, like, I have to be close, right? I have a contraction every minute. Like, I'm not, they, they you know, and they're, you know, pretty intense. So like, <laughs> we have to be close, right? Um, and so my doula was like, you should, you should ask, you should ask to check because that's what you're, you, you need right now. That's what you need for yourself. Great. So at that point, four o'clock checked one centimeter dilated and our midwife said i think it's time to transfer, transfer. Um, this is after what almost 48 hours how long uh i've a, lost track of this <laughs> yeah uh, yep it's we'll do it too um it's a day it was a day it's, a, it's for my water breaking is oh, it almost two days now. so this yeah, is sorry this is november day, 2nd and that's then, what i thought yeah uh, two days later well, yeah, um, almost 48 hours. Clo right? We're closer to 48 hours than we are. Close to 48. And she said we had time. We didn't have to make the call yet. But mm -hmm. she was like, I think that it's not, it's that we need a little more help. 
Um, and I said, okay, <laughs> like, all right. So she was like, obviously take your time. And at that point for some, by the grace of God, my contractions had started to slow down. Mm. And so I was able to pack wow. and shower. She was like, take a shower, eat something, pack. We don't have to go right now, but I think it's probably a good idea to transfer. And at that point I was like, okay, like I knew that this was a possibility and I had set myself up for like, this is what I want. But in my eyes, there is a higher power working. Mm -hmm. And also this story doesn't really belong to me. Like mm -hmm. this, is, this is Emerson's birth story and I have all the plans I want, but like he's going to come into this world the way he wants. Um, or that's my thought process on it. So I was like, cool, we're transferring. Great. Let's get our things. Um, and since I hadn't packed the bag, I like threw just stuff. Like I had been laboring for days and I'm just like throwing stuff in. I hadn't even made a list of things I wanted. So anybody out there who's doing a home birth, just have a list. Like the emergency transfer list which has got to be small or have the emergency transfer bag and then have the list of what you need in a non-emergency transfer because that's not, I never thought of that because hmm. I would have taken, I did grab my pillow, but I would have taken towels. I would have taken my birth ball. I just, for some reason, assumed that they would have one where we were going and then they didn't. And that's a really yeah. good tip. Yeah. Like I, so we threw stuff in. I threw stuff in for Emerson that never would have fit him. Like, I don't know whose baby I was packing. <laughs> like, apparently I was packing for a three-month-old. Because um, big babies run in your family, right? So, right. so I mean, that's a whole other story because Chris ended up having to go home and get, like, a random oh, outfit so yeah. that he could go home. From, you know, anyway. So we ended up transferring. Can I pause right there for just one second and just ask you a question? When you were interviewing home birth midwives, or when you interviewed Carolyn Cher, do you remember, did you ask what is your transfer rate or how frequently do you have to transfer? Do you happen to remember that? We did ask about transferring. I think we did ask something around like how often have you transferred or we definitely asked about, you know, their policy what do they do when they have to transfer things like that and which hospital is it oh, yeah knew, you knew, knew the hospital yeah, yeah. We knew the hospital for the emergency transfer would be elmhurst because it was closest elmhurst okay um, and we knew that the hospital in case of a non-emergency we had decided on woodhall because mm -hmm. it's run um, by, midwives. by midwives and yes. they're they're pretty home birth transfer friendly and so we felt comfortable with that. I don't think I asked the the rate of transfer for them. I was just wondering if Chris would want to would have wanted to ask that. I don't remember asking the rate of transfer. I know we'd asked have you ever had a transfer, and then we kind of got more into what they do, which was more my concern. I wasn't. I mean, also I was again woefully inept as far as knowing what happens during a home birth. So. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't always know the questions to ask. Um, so I didn't ask the rate of transfer. I, I know they offered it. I don't remember what it is now, but I know in that line of questioning, they ended up offering. I think we were just is. like, I'm such like a kind of crunchy person that I was like, oh, I feel comfortable with them. So I don't care anything else. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, like, 
my body was going to do what my body was going to do. And the baby's going to do what the baby's going to do. And so like, if we were going to transfer, it was just going to be like, whatever happened, happened. Like we did everything we could. We were at this point transferring and I was like, okay, moving on. We're transferring. Sure. All right. Uh, and, and before we move on, I just want to mention for our listeners that usually when home births do need to transfer to a hospital, that it's almost never an emergency. It's much more commonly that this birth, this labor has gone on for days <laughs> and that she needs some sleep and she needs to get an epidural or she's not going to have energy to push this baby out. Right. So yeah. I just always like to point that out because I think that's a lesser known fact. Everybody has this vision of like, oh no, the transfer, it's like life or death. And it's like, how fast can you get there? And is it fast enough? And, and that's almost never the case. And that was one thing that really reassured me when I chose to have a home birth with my second baby after having a hospital birth with the first. So anyway, so proceed, you were transferring to the hospital. So it must've been Woodhull since it was not an emergency. Yep. So we were transferring to Woodhall. Um, they had already, she had already sent my records to them. She had them on her computer and she had sent them. So like they had, they already knew we were coming. She had called ahead. So they were completely prepared when we walked in. So the car ride over, I somehow willed my contract. I only had like three contractions and they weren't that bad in the car. Cause I was like, Oh, that's like after going days of just on top of each other, contraction, contraction, contraction. I was like, oh, I'm going to get in a car that's going to bump around and I'm going <laughs> to... Yeah. It's going to be awful. So I was like, okay, well, like, whatever. This is our life. And I finally put on some pants um, and brought some <laughs> towels underneath me or something because I was like, oh, great. So I only had like three contractions in the car. We got there pretty quickly, sat down before triage. And as I'm sitting there all of a sudden my contractions just started up again and they just continued. Um, they checked me at Woodhall. Everything's private from triage through. It was super duper nice. Cause like. And unusual in New York city. Yeah. Right. And at Elmhurst, I had been in triage labor and delivery because of the, the spotting at 24 weeks. So I was like, Oh wow. I have my own room. Yeah. And like, nobody's, nobody's here. I'm all by myself. Like sitting in luxury. Yeah. And so we like got through triage. They put me in a room and at that point my midwife was still with me and our doula had gone home, finally gone home to her family, but said to us, Hey, when you need me, I oh. will show up. So please don't think that this isn't part of it because we're transferring. Call me if you need me. Hmm. So, we got into our room in labor and delivery and they, so my contractions started up again, but Pushed. no, that no, wasn't no. Right. so that, yes, at that point they, they came in and they were like, so our, what we're thinking to do is Servadil, which is exactly what I wanted. I like, I had known going in that that was what I wanted to do first was Servadil. So, and your rationale was for that, that, um, that I, I felt like my, um, my cervix needed to be softened. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's a synthetic prostaglandin for those who don't know what cervidil is. Uh -huh. Right. And I knew it was the better option. I forget the other option because I had like left it. I was like, nope, I want this. Um, I want cervidil if it's offered. And it was, they were like, we have cervidil. And I was like, great. I was like, oh. <laughs> 
was like, awesome. Um, <laughs> and they were like, fantastic. So they, they did um, serve it up. I'm also allergic to latex or I have some sort of, it's not like anaphylactic allergy, but I like itch. And so we knew that we could, probably couldn't do the Foley balloon. The Foley balloon. Another, mm-hmm. another option that I was even considering, I was like, maybe I know I'm allergic to latex. Let's just cut the band off that says I'm allergic to latex and we'll just try it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's not how it works, Sarah. Um, <laughs> well, well, pretend it's not like <laughs> we're just going to try it. It's like, I feel like it's going to help. Um, I think my way through an allergy. Yeah. I can do that. <laughs> I have so many, like, we'll just pass it along. Um, so they just serve a dough and they're like, okay, so we're going to wait 12 hours. So at this point they're like, we're just going to put it in and you're going to go to sleep, which is hilarious. And I'm like, <laughs> with the beeping and the noises and, and all the light the monitors. from the monitors yeah. and his heartbeat, because yeah. now I have a heart monitor they, on. But they did do a narcotic. So then they also said, so you need to sleep. And at that point, my contractions had all kicked in again. And it, they were really very intense where I was on the side of the bed trying to manage through them. Right. And so they were like, we need you to sleep. We don't think an epidural is a good idea for you at this point because of how far you still have left to go. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they said an epidural can only be given for so long. Based on where I was at, they were like, giving it too soon could be problematic. So I was like, I didn't want an epidural anyway, but I knew I needed to sleep. But I was like, you know, like I'm the warrior birthing mama that thinks like I've been through a couple of days of this. I can get through another. And Chris was like, no, you need to sleep. And our midwife was like, nope, you need to sleep. Like Mm -hmm. you can't do it, Sarah. I need need you to sleep because you need to get through this and Emerson needs you to sleep too. Mm. Also, when I suggested full disclosure, in my mind, even though I said you need to sleep, what I was thinking. <laughs> Absolutely. And I can't yeah. sleep unless you sleep. So please. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So at that point they gave us a narcotic. I don't know or I don't remember. I don't, <laughs> I don't, know, know, I don't know. Yeah, there's several different ones used locally. Yeah. Um, and they were like, it should give you a good six hours of sleep. Cool. So was that, do you remember if it was through an IV or a shot or it was through so because I was GBS positive. I had to immediately start antibiotics because I was in a hospital. So you're just on an antibiotic drip. Um, so it was through an IV. They just like shot it through and I fell asleep for three hours, <laughs> woke up to a huge contraction. And I, all I remember is Chris being like running, running out, running to out. The door to, <laughs> like to I just remember session. light coming in and then he was like, like yelling like, for this son. is not working. It's not that thing. It's not five working. Five hours. That's six, five to six not hours. At all. We're not fine. And they're like, oh no, it'll be fine. I was like, it's a hundred percent not okay right now. She, Get in yeah, here. Yeah, she needs something else. Fix it. Yeah. Just fix it. I don't even know what time it was at that point. 3 a.m. Yeah, it was something like that. And so they ended up giving me something else and it gave me another hour and a half of sleep. And I just remember waking up from that to another huge contraction and thinking to myself, I have to pee. And I remember them telling me, Sarah, on these, these drugs, like, you can't get out of bed. Mm. So we're going to have to give you a bedpan. And in my head, I said, cool, but I got out of bed. So I took <laughs> everything off 
And I went to the bathroom. It's true. I was like, I am fully okay. I'm a little groggy, but I'm not going to fall over. And I need to pee. And I'm not going to sit on a pan. I'm not. And I just, like, grabbed my, like, wire that I had. I, like, took my IV back <laughs> off. And I just, like, went to the bathroom. Uh-huh. In case, like, seven people, like, ran in, like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Like, all the monitors are off at this point because I, like, pulled everything off. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like banging on the door. I had a nurse banging on the door. Like, are you okay? What are you doing? You're not supposed to be up. And I was like, I feel fine. They're so scared for your safety. Because <laughs> yeah, some people, you know, might yeah. not get around very well under the, with yeah. those drugs. But yeah. you know, you knew yourself. Yeah. I knew I was going to be okay. And I knew for damn sure I was never sitting out of bedpan. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> So then, <laughs> only my wife during <laughs> childbirth still try and remain a proper lady. I was like, oh. <laughs> after I was like having contractions on the toilet. I was like, oh, fine, I got this. You're so whatever. So then the next day, we finally just got up at that point because there was no way we were going back to sleep, and there was no way I was getting any more of anything. So we just like started in again. Yeah. So now we're in day three. <laughs> um, this is also when you come for measures. This is when the yeah. Cervidal so then fell at six a.m. the cervidal fell out. Sorry, it was seven a.m. because I decided I had like gone in again to go to the bathroom. Cervidal fell out. So it was administered vaginally. I, I forgot to clarify that. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Sometimes they do oral, but it's most of the time it's vaginal. They yeah. a- I think they actually asked me if I wanted what I wanted. And I was just like, it made more sense to me for it to be vaginally. Cause I was like, that's where it needs it's closer it. to the source. Yeah. yeah like, Sometimes I, they make you stay in the bed with vaginally. So I've started recommending, you know, if you have an option, you might want to try orally because if you're at a hospital where they otherwise will make you stay in the bed, oh, yes, for just that reason. I don't know if we had, nobody ever told us except you'll find out later. I ended up having to stay in the bed, but, um, so um, yeah, nobody ever, yeah. I, I was pretty insistent that there were like these leg things they wanted me to wear for circulation. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm not wearing those. Um, <laughs> mid, our, actually our mid, our midwife took them off as soon as we walked in. Cause I was like, I they can't put them on and then they all, and then all the nurses, everybody left. And the midwife looked at these things and she's like, get these damn things off. <laughs> no, 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 because I said, I can't labor like yeah. this. I no, can't she's labor like, you in don't need them. You don't I'm like not... them? You don't need them. Yeah, I was just like, rips them I don't off. have enough throat. I can right? get out of this. I'm not going to labor sitting down. Like, that does not work for me. So mm-hmm. I'm getting up. So these have to go. Yeah. Like, I'm not wearing them. So, yeah. So she had so gone to pee. To pee. And she came out. And I remember you turned to me and you were like, the Cervidal fell out. <laughs> I was like, she was like really worried. And oh she was no. like, and I was like, that's not, that's not good. That's right. Not good. And she's like, I don't, I, I don't think it's good. That is good. Yeah. yeah so they bring, good, they yeah. come in and she was like, the Cervidal just fell out. And they're like, Oh great. That's yeah, awesome. Like, Go take a shower. And I was and like, I, was like oh, I remember in my head going like, that's not the thing that we want to fall out of there. That's what <laughs> I don't, that's not. We want the sun. <laughs> a little ahead of ourselves on this, but, but they were like, yeah, that's really good. And then you, sh- you shower. I think. Yeah. Then I shower. I, I started laboring in the up. shower because I was like, I asked it. They were like, yeah, if you feel you can shower, go ahead. So I like hooked on my little bag on the side and of my like antibiotic drip. And I just like, sh- I labored in the shower for a while until I felt like it wasn't really doing anything and I needed more help. Which now looking back, maybe I could have just had everybody come into the shower and I could have labored in there. But like in my non-sleepy, not working in it. Yeah. it's not a clear logic. Yeah. At this point. 
then by we like no we labored for a while yeah we labored until like three that day yeah. and finally we called our doula again yeah. and had her come yeah so we had labored after she got out of the shower we labored pretty much like we had done at home yep. in the hospital room and it was same same and it was a thing. thing where i remember we would labor for a while we'd be doing a certain thing for you know sometimes 50 minutes maybe an hour it, d it just depended on how it worked and I'd be constantly communicating with her, like, what do you need? Is this working? This, this. And it would get to a point where I remember we'd be doing something and it would work really well. And then over time it would stop, it would lose its effect. And just when we got to the point of like, I'm going to call the doula now, we'd try, I'd go, well, let's try one more thing. And we try, or she would say, let's try this. Yeah. And we'd switch something up and we'd hit like a second win or a third win or a fourth wind. We yeah. And then, and then it, she'd be like, no, this feels really good. So we kept doing that. And then it would get to points where I'd be like, man, I just don't know. I just don't know if I can do this anymore. And then I'd be like, nope, I can do this. I'm going to get through it. Like yeah. we're going to do like <laughs> mental fortitude. So, but by again, just like the, the first night or the second night, I can't keep track of them. <laughs> um, but at this point then it kind of came the same way it did when we were at home where I went I'm completely out of tricks again. And like, I need help. And I need help. So I called our doula and she, she came, showed she up. showed up and she was with us for a good portion of the, the evening. It was like four, she was like, she was really close because she lives in Brooklyn. So she was like there from like 4.30 till. So late. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. I think it was earlier actually, because it was five o'clock when we decided that it was time for the no, yes, but she stayed through all of that. Yeah, but she was earlier than that because she stayed with us. Talk amongst while. yourselves while anyway, we figure sorry. out what the hell. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you're fine. Right. So she showed up. She was with us for a few hours, and then at that point, she like it was getting close to evening, and uh, some of the nurses came in. Oh, the nurse came in to check me because it, they were, they were going to be doing the crossover. So there was a new team coming in, and she was like, "Well, let me check you before." before the new team the new team and i think i want to say that was the first time they checked me since the servidel oh yes no like nobody was like really in there oh we didn't tell how what they said with the servidel when they checked you with the servidel. i don't even that was wasn't that the one where she was like oh yeah she was like she's like you're at two but i can stretch you yeah, so when the Superdale like, oh. felt warning, she said, oh, oh, you're at was, two, but I, I was, But at that point, I was 88% effaced. Mm -hmm. So that part was always great. I was always like, now you're 100% effaced, but you're only four centimeters dilated. <laughs> so then... Uh, I just wanted to ask, did they... Did anybody ever pay attention to or try to figure out what nuanced position he was in? Because some of the things I'm hearing and some of the things I read when you shared your birth story with me in writing, I kept wondering, I'm like, he sounds like he was in posterior position, maybe. Like, that maybe, but it, I don't know. Yeah, I just wanted was, to ask you that. I don't even know if they told us. They didn't say, I don't remember them saying anything about his position. No, no, nobody ever checked his position. For sure, nobody ever did. And I don't... I mean, the only thing I can think of is my contractions were in, just insane. 
um, they were constantly on top of each other. And once they hooked me up to a monitor, I could, I would have like three in a row that would just wave on top of each other. Um, so they would get, and I could feel them coming down and then all of a sudden they would surge back up and then I could feel it coming down and then it would surge back up. So it looked, it looked like a mountain where it just would go boop, bloop, bloop. And I could, and I started watching it because I was like, well, like, this is what I'm feeling, but like, what does it look like? Um, and so that's what it looks like to me is I just would have these, like, I would feel like the relief of going, coming down from that contraction. I was like, okay, I've got a chance to breathe. And then I would feel the surge and I would look and it would just be going back up. Um, and so at that point, um, so, so we're at close to five o'clock and mm -hmm. that, I don't even know what day it was. The that's, third. That's, we're on the third. We're on the third. So about five o'clock on November 3rd, and a new midwife comes in to check. Oh, so the, that midwife um, said she could stretch. She goes in. She's like, you're three centimeters dilated now. And I'm like, woohoo, three. Like, that's better than what I was a couple of hours ago. So we're good. Like, still progressing. I love how optimistic you are three days later. Birthing yeah. warrior. That's yeah, my, my mental state was I was going to be a birthing warrior and I believed that I could get through anything. I believed my body knew what it was doing and I could get through anything. So that was my mindset. When I would start to falter, I would be like, I am a birthing warrior. Yes. I can get yes. this. I'm gonna do this. I'm getting this baby out. He is coming out. Like, and I kept thinking to myself, like, I want to see my baby. I want to see my baby. And every team that would cook, because we had seen it, so many teams pass through at that point. Like, and they would say, oh, Sarah, you're going to have, well, I'm going to come back the next tomorrow. time you see me, you're going to have your you're baby's going to be out. Baby. And the first time, that's encouraging. And the third time, I'm going to kill no. someone. <laughs> you're lying to me. Yeah, so I was like, please don't talk to me about seeing maybe, like, d d like, let's just, what's our next method? Where are we at? Like that, and that's why I kept asking. It's just like, okay, what? Where? What's our next move? So they, so <laughs> like, at five o'clock, they checked her, and they were like, "You're at, you're at about three, three centimeters. centimeters dilated." And that was, I think, this is when they they encouraged that's, that. This is when right? the yes, this is when the 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 team was like, "Sarah, you need to sleep, and maybe if you get an epidural, your body will relax because you've been through a lot yeah. <laughs> for a couple of days and we need your body to relax. I think at this point, um, also I will tell you, they tried doing Pitocin, Pitocin. at one point, yeah. but Pitocin slowed my contractions down. Yeah. That was bizarre. Yeah. Um, it slowed my contractions down. And when they would take me off of Pitocin, my contractions would go crazy. crazy. So what was that? Your body's like, no, don't suppress my natural oxytocin. I don't like that. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. That's yeah. yeah. Wow. It's like it had to build up from the from being on the Pitocin and then had to get it out. Yeah. So so they stopped with Pitocin altogether because they were like, This isn't this isn't working for you at all. And they did tell me when I first came into the hospital, they were like, There's not a ton that we can do for you because at this point most women don't have contractions like yours. Yeah. And yours are off the charts. Yeah. So we don't, we're going to try everything we can to let you just naturally do this. And, and we're going to try and help you and see what we can do. But I think that's why they started trying Pitocin because they're like, maybe it will level out your contractions, but it just, 
slowed mine down. So then they were like, let's give you an epidural and give you one good night of sleep. Because at this point we had done Cervidil, we had done Pitocin. They were like, we've tried everything. Yeah, and so they're like, you have contractions. Do... They're great, yeah. but they're just not working for you. Yeah. So let's do let your body, you know, let's maybe do an it'll epidural. relax itself into just kind of letting this kid come out. Come out. So I was like, great, sure, let's do this. And they said, and then they said, uh, if you want to do this, we need to do this right now because, because the shift change is coming. And, and the there are good, two of yeah. them, and the good one is on right now, but he's about to leave. <gasps> oh, wow. want this. Let's, let's do, do it now. right now. And we were like, let's, let's do, it. do it. Good, good. So, which I was like, at this point, I've labored for days without it. So I was like, okay, let's try something. Like, I'm, I'm willing to try whatever. Like, I'm, you tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Because I just want to see my child at this point. <laughs> <laughs> And none of us are in distress. So let's, like, yet, miraculously. So the guy comes in. It's, like, the quickest thing that's ever happened to me. Like, I think I'm, I didn't even have, he did it in between a contraction, which at that point was, like, they were ridiculous. So, um, Chris, were you there for this or not? No, they made me leave. They asked you to leave, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they do it. Feels great. And... No. Yeah, by the way, I will note, so I had mentioned how, like, I felt like my wife disappeared when her, her contractions. This was the she first, was it was like, it's like when they describe the eye of a hurricane, that it's an intense storm, and then the eye hits, and there's this beautiful calm to it. I remember um, leaving the room the calm. and uh, for the epidural, and when I came back, my wife was there. And she was, was back. So beautiful. Like, I was so happy. Yeah, she, was I was like, like how are you and doing? Like, and she's like, oh, I missed you. Yeah, and we had a conversation, and it felt so good, and it was like, okay, maybe this is going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then go ahead. You tell. And then, all of a sudden, about an hour in, I was like, huh, I'm starting to feel like little contractions. And then by 15 minutes after that hour, an hour and 15, I had full-on contractions back that were just oh epic. And what they had done, which I didn't know then, but I found out later, is that once they put me on, once they did the epidural, they pushed Pitocin and they would take it off and push it and take it off to try and like get my body to go through the biggest parts of the contractions to see if that would, my relaxed body would like, you know, my um, cervix would open and everything would happen magically, mm -hmm. right? But so now the shift change has happened. We have completely new nurses. And the woman comes, the one nurse comes in to check me. And she's like, you're at one centimeter dilated. I don't know who told you three. Thank you for that. Thanks so much. So I was like, really? <laughs> I was like, excuse me. Yes. And she was like, yeah, you're at one centimeter. Like, you've got a long way to go. Cool. Thanks. So I was like, awesome. So. Can I get another nurse, please? <laughs> so I was in, like, that team of nurses. They were just very blunt and straightforward. They were super lovely by the end of the next day. It, but that's where we were at. I was like, you are new. I've never seen you. And <laughs> it's crazy since I've been here forever. <laughs> So that's where we'll stop today, and you'll get to hear the rest of this epic story next week. 
Just one thing I wanted to comment on before we wrap things up today. You might think that cervical dilation is measured with a very scientifically exact measuring tool, but nope. The way they measure is simply with two fingers. So it's far from an exact science, and I would encourage you to take it with a big grain of salt if you're hearing the numbers. Did you hear how discouraging it was for Sarah to be told her dilation went backwards? This could just be a difference between the way one person's fingers measured versus another. So another thing to take with a grain of salt is what you saw here, where there's a shift change and now someone new is doing the exam. It's very common for our cervix to not dilate on a clock like the hospital staff often expect it to. And yet it can really play mind games with us if we're told we're five centimeters at, say, noon, and then you're told you're still five centimeters at 4 p.m.? Meanwhile, those four hours might have been the most intense and maybe painful four hours of your life. And hearing that can make you feel done. And yet you can't be done because you haven't met your baby yet. It doesn't mean progress didn't happen in other ways because there's a lot more to progress in giving birth than cervical dilation alone. Given these factors, I would recommend considering asking your doctor, nurse, or midwife who are working with you as part of your birth plan to please not tell you the number whenever they do internal exams. Instead, you may prefer to ask them to give you insights on how to proceed strategically to promote progress. For example, if they're not seeing much progress, they could encourage you to get out of the bed and move around, which can speed things up. Okay, here's a sneak peek of next week's second half of Emerson's birth story. It was like 10, 10.31 a.m. and our you know, son came into the world. Yeah, he came loud out. And he was than anybody. And he cried and the whole room just stops. Like it just stops on a dime. And he's crying and we started just going, hey, hey buddy. buddy, you're okay, hey, you did such okay. a good job. Good job. Like, it's your birthday today, like good job, buddy, you did so good. And, every, and he stopped, and stopped crying. crying. Thanks so much for listening to the Birth Matters Podcast. We'll see you next week. And please remember this, you can do hard things. Be well.